You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I cover the Chicago Bears for NBC Sports Chicago, and I cover the NFL for Pro Football Focus. Locked On Bears is your podcast destination for daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. And I just want to thank you for tuning in after what was a difficult Bears-Packers game, I know, for Bears fans across the country. Today, we're going to break it all down. We're going to talk about what went wrong, what went right, all just coming off of the initial first reaction watch. I'm recording this after the game Sunday night, so I apologize if I end up sounding a little bit more tired than I usually do on this podcast, but I wanted to have it in your feed for Monday morning for that commute to work. Whenever it is you listen to the podcast, I thank you for tuning in. So today we'll talk about what happened defensively between the first half and the second half. We'll dive into Mitchell Trubisky's performance from what we could see on the first watch live, and then we'll wrap up with some bigger picture looks at Matt Nagy and kind of what went right and what went wrong for the Bears head coach in his debut. But we start with this Chicago Bears defense that was phenomenal in the first half. We saw Aaron Rodgers initially struggle to get the offense moving, and eventually Aaron Rodgers hurt on a play where, you know, David Bakhtiari, the left tackle, was kind of stepping on Rodgers' foot, and then Roy Robertson Harris kind of landed on his leg and it combined to twist his knee a little bit. And Deshaun Kaiser comes in and he gets a little bit of uh, momentum going there. But then, of course, Khalil Mack makes the, the strip sack forced fumble where he just pulls it out of Deshaun Kaiser's hand. And then a few drives later, it's the pick six. And Khalil Mack, certainly everything Bears fans had hoped for, everything as advertised, a defensive player of the year type player who makes game-changing plays. I mean, it took less than two quarters for him to generate a couple of potential game-changing plays. The first one, keeping the Packers off the board when it looked like they were going to get a field goal, and then the second one, obviously, putting points on the board for the Bears. I mean, almost single-handedly contributing to a 10-point swing to put the Bears up 17-0 at half, and then eventually they went up to 20-0 in that third quarter. And you know, what What more can you say about the guy? I mean, you would have wanted more in the second half, which we'll, we'll get to in a minute here. But over the course of four quarters, if you get a pick six and a forced fumble and a sack from Khalil Mack, that's 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 a game well done. And he did it in a half. So you, you can't ask for much more from your new pass rusher. Still not in game shape. Still learning Vic Fangio's offense and making an instant impact. But who you can ask for a lot more from was Leonard Floyd. I mean, did you hear his name once or really see that 94 around the ball once in that entire game? I mean, forget the second half, even in the first half when everyone was dominating. Akeem Hicks was getting to the quarterback. Khalil Mack was getting to the quarterback. Roy Robertson Harris got there twice. And your 2016 first round pick, a big old goose egg. You know, I, I just really didn't see him. And again, I'll look back through on tape earlier, you know, as we get into this week. But on that first watch... Really not seeing a lot from Leonard Floyd, a guy who I thought would benefit quite a bit from Khalil Mack. I know it was just one game, but a disappointment from him there. 
But obviously, any disappointment in Floyd is overshadowed by just a, a disappointment from the defense as a whole in that second half. You saw the Packers come back out with Aaron Rodgers and kind of switch it up, which they started to do with, with Khalil Mack a little, or with Deshaun Kaiser a little bit, and switch up to more of a quick passing attack. But as that uh, picked up in the third quarter, the Bears' defense just had no answer. You know, they tried blitzing a few times, and Rodgers would just beat the blitz. You know, they, they tried dropping back a few and, you know, rushing four and sometimes rushing three, and it seemed like Rodgers was able to still find an opening in this defense. And, you know, it's hard for me, without having watched the tape, to sit here and say, oh, here's what Vic Fangio should have done. But all we can do is sit here and say, what he did do didn't work. And at some point, you do have to just kind of say, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL and maybe the best quarterback in NFL history. And when he's having the game of his career or the half of his career and the comeback of his career, I mean, I don't know how much there is a defensive coordinator can do because you look across this Bears roster and it's hard to blame one guy. You know, when you look and say, oh man, who messed up for the Bears defense? Who screwed them in this game or whatever? I mean, you look across that secondary in particular. You know, Prince Amukamara struggled and, and got hurt. And, you know, Marcus Cooper didn't end up playing that much, which could have been even worse. But, you know, Nick Kwiatkowski struggled a little bit in coverage at inside linebacker. Bryce Callahan was targeted a lot. And then Eddie Jackson was targeted on that Randall Cobb catch and run. And, and that, that play is so inexcusable for defense that, you know, I can you can you even blame Vic Fangio there when, I mean, the guy throws it in the middle of the field and he just catches and runs for 75 yards. One of your 11 guys should be able to get there, and Vic Fangio's been coaching them for a long time. It's not as though there's a lot of new faces or people trying to adjust there. I mean, that was just, I don't know, I don't know if the effort was bad. It was hard to see on the replays. I don't know if Cobb was just that phenomenal, but those types of plays are just inexcusable and uh, you know I know that can happen you know when the defense gets tired and the pass rush isn't getting after the quarterback but this is this was a tough game for really almost all 11 of your starting Bears defenders in that second half in particular and I I'm sitting here today after the game without very many answers I think the one guy in the secondary that didn't disappoint was Adrian Amos and it wasn't as though he went out and had a phenomenal game but I thought it was very typical Adrian Amos you know he was targeted a couple times I remember and you know came down and wrapped up for little to no gain after the catch but you know not making any big plays just kind of does his job in the running game does his job in the passing game ball doesn't go really near him so he doesn't make a lot of turnovers or, or big plays but doesn't give up the big plays too so you can at least rely on that consistency from him in that second half even but you know no pass rush in the second half a lot of space in that secondary and then terrible effort from what it looked like on that Randall Cobb touchdown just as the game went on as the defense got tired it was just a a recipe for disaster especially as the offense failed to hold up its end of the bargain now in spite of those defensive struggles and that defensive collapse in the second half the Bears did still cover the spread and as we talked about at mybookie.ag I believe the spread was down to plus seven for the Bears. So they covered the spread there. The over under was at 47 and a half. And of course, you have this game finish at 23 24, puts you right at 47, came just under the under. So, you know, if, you, if you'd been listening last week and thinking, oh, I'd probably bet, I'd probably take the Bears with the spread and I, I'd bet the under, 
you could have won big. So if you don't want to miss the action next week, you got to head over to mybookie.ag. It's a very highly rated online sports book. That's why we recommend it here on the Locked On Podcast Network. The guys at PFF, they use mybookie.ag because, you know, not only do they have uh, great reviews and they've been in the business a long time, but they've got live in-game betting so you can get in on the action afterwards. I mean, <laughs> if you would have gone in to bet the Packers at halftime of this game, Oh, I'm sure you would have made a killing, but obviously no one listening to this podcast would have done that. But I'm saying my bookie lets you get in the game no matter what, and you can get even more in the game thanks to the Locked On Podcast Network. If you join now, my bookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar if you use the promo code Locked On when you sign up. Check out mybookie.ag. I'm telling you, it's the place to be. It's the place to get into sports betting here as it continues to grow across this country. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. We're bringing you some immediate reaction and analysis from the Bears' week one loss to the Green Bay Packers. And I, again, I thank you for listening through it and sticking through and hopefully not reliving too many bad memories from Sunday night. But I want to talk now about a guy we'll probably talk about on every podcast Monday morning after the Bears game, which will be Tuesday morning, I suppose, next week. But Mitchell Trubisky, you know, comes out in that first half, in the first quarter during the scripted plays, running the offense confidently, delivering some balls downfield, and, you know, rolling over this Packers defense. And really a, a strong start there. But more specifically, as as this game went on, you know, as the, as the scoring slowed down in the second quarter and then in the second half pretty well disappeared, you know, especially when you get to that fourth quarter and down the stretch, I didn't see as much progress as maybe I was expecting. And I, I think perhaps I was maybe expecting too much development. That I, This looked a lot closer to the guy we saw last year than it was a, a new and improved quarterback. And maybe that makes sense in that the true progress will happen in games during the season. And this experience is what will help him progress rather than working out in the offseason and practicing against air and, you know, everything going smooth, that, that he needs this in-game experience to truly get better. So maybe in that sense, this is much more reasonable. But, you know, you saw Nagy run a, a fairly simplified offense for him in terms of his reads, and I think they were emphasizing a lot of quick reads that get from your one to your two, and then we saw a lot of scrambles. And in my opinion, he looked pretty quick to, to get to the scramble. And I'm looking forward to going back through the all 22 and seeing, you know, were there guys open that he just wasn't getting to, or, you know, how close was the pressure to getting there before he kind of abandoned. But too many times he was running towards the line of scrimmage and not enough of those times was he keeping his eyes downfield enough to fire the ball. Like it looked like he was looking past, you know, the line of scrimmage, but it was almost more like setting up blocks and trying to read where he's going to run rather than looking to still find an open receiver. And we saw like three, four, five of those plays where he does roll out of the pocket, extend the plays, and he's clearly still looking downfield and not scrambling where he's got the ball in a, you know, in a throwable position for lack of a better term, and he's not just tucking it and running it. But I want to see more of that. I want to see a lot more of that because those are the special plays. He makes special plays outside of the pocket that are almost Aaron Rodgers-esque. When, you know, when he's rolling to the sideline and finds someone past the sticks, we saw it three or four times. Those are the plays that remind you of Trubisky's potential for greatness. 
Those are the things that not every quarterback can do. A lot of quarterbacks can run Matt Nagy's offense and get a high completion percentage and move the ball down the field, kind of like we saw in the first drive. There were a couple impressive throws on that, but it was a lot of quick stuff, a lot of open receivers, and a lot of just one read easy based on what the defense gives you. But when he makes those extra plays, those are what remind you of his potential and what makes him special. But then you get down into the fourth quarter here, and we saw a lot of the same issues that we saw last year with Mitch Trubisky. When the pressure starts building up, not only you know physically from the pass rush, but also in the game, he gets a little skittish sometimes. He's you know he'll abandon his footwork, and if he's throwing and kind of away from his body, you'll see him do that throw where he'll like throw it and then like turn his whole body with his arm away from the pass rush when there's a blitz coming at his face, rather than standing in and delivering. Or he'll do the same thing in the opposite direction where he's falling away from the blitz, and then as a result, he doesn't get enough on the ba- on the ball. There was that third and one pass to Deion Sims where Deion Sims was not past the first down marker, but if Trubisky had stepped into it instead of falling away and kind of throwing it off his back foot, the ball would have got there sooner, but it kind of floated, and that it slowed down Sims and let the, the defender catch up to the tight end and tackle him short of the sticks. Little things like that. There was also a play in the fourth quarter down the stretch where he just overthrew I want to say Howard or Cohen coming out of the backfield. And, you know, there was that one to Allen Robinson in the end zone that he missed that he, he rushed. Or I think he, he hesitated that one. He rushed the, the running back one. But regardless, it's some skittish there. It's the timing. And when the Packers blitz him, a similar kind of breakdown here. That when things go awry in those specific senses, when he's unable to escape the pocket or just doesn't think he has time to escape the pocket... That, that's when you see the inaccuracy step up and, and some of those key passing situations fall incomplete purely because of an inaccurate pass from your quarterback. And, you know, that's to be expected from an inexperienced young quarterback. It was just something I guess I had hoped to see a little bit more progress on. And again, it's one game. I'm not, I'm not saying he hasn't made progress there. It's just, just based on kind of what we had seen. It seemed like the Packers... You know, once they kind of figured out the quick game in the first half, they were jumping on a lot of his quick reads. He saw a lot of zone in in passing situations, especially in short yardage situations. And basically, you know, I felt like this was one of those things where the, the coverage gave the pass rush more time. Where would they jump on the quick read? That you know, they they recognize the play combination and go to where the pass seems to be developing to take that first play away. And then Trubisky has to kind of react from there and find something else. That gives the pass rush more time, which hurries him and then can ruin those mechanics a little bit. So, you know, to me, Trubisky still looked like the guy who's not ready to win you the game. I mean, he, he wasn't. He had opportunities to drive this team down and didn't, which is fine. He's still young and still developing. But what that also told me was that the Bears need more from their playmakers. I mean... They they invested all this in the weapons, and, and how often did we see these weapons truly step up and make plays? How many times did we see a receiver make a play with the ball in their hand? You know, there was that nice play to Robinson in the first quarter where Trubisky put it on the spot, but, you know, we didn't see Taylor Gabriel have a big explosive run or, you know, after the catch. We didn't see Anthony Miller do a lot after the catch. We didn't see, I mean, Allen Robinson's never been an after-the-catch guy, but the players that actually made plays with the ball in their hands were pretty much just Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, the two guys that were here last year. You know what I mean? Like, they needed more, I think, from their new weapons. They're, certainly, their quarterback could have done better to get them the ball, but individually, I think, you know, not a lot from Trey Burton, and Taylor Gabriel wasn't able to do a ton either, despite seeing the ball five times, but only five yards per catch. I know a lot of those were screens, but he, he had that 131-yard play, and then not much 
besides that, and I just felt like if Trubisky is at this point in his development, that means you need more from everyone else, and you just didn't get that much from everyone else, Matt Nagy included. And we'll get to Matt Nagy's performance here next on Locked On Bears, breaking down what he did well and and what was disappointing and, and kind of the the general reaction to his game on Twitter, which really spanned all sides of the spectrum. That's next on Locked On Bears. So after that first drive in the first quarter, Matt Nagy was being crowned as you know a future Hall of Fame coach and going to lead the Bears to the Super Bowl and the playoffs, and look, they're kicking the Packers' butts, and wow, how great is this guy? And you know, in that fourth quarter, and once the clock hit zero, I there were people on Twitter tweeting, "Fire Matt Nagy! Fire this guy! He's a bust! He's a bum! He's not fit to be a head coach!" Uh, you know, and he's never going to lead the Bears to anything great. And we on this podcast try and steer clear of overreaction. And I hope none of what I have said today has been an overreaction. I try and emphasize we're working from a one-game sample size here. We're working from live watching on the broadcast and uh, not trying to put all my stock in that because we'll get to some all-22 really uh, in-depth film observations here later this week. But with what we could see from Matt Nagy, I thought early on he kind of, you know, he hovered between this line of, you know, being creative and innovative and being gimmicky early on. Like that, that formation with Charles Leno moving out to wide receiver with uh, one of the tight ends in at left tackle, to me, that's a gimmick. That's not something that is a regular part of your playbook. It's an interesting look to show a team. It didn't have, I mean, it didn't create big plays for the offense. Trubisky scored his touchdown on that formation, but it was a a two-yard run that, you know, know, he kind of scraped in and was being tackled as he went into the end zone. I don't think that's something you're going to see a ton of from the Bears. And, and to me, that's a little bit gimmicky and, and unnecessary. I mean, you know, you like to see the run-pass options. We saw quite a few of those, even though it maybe it didn't, uh, it didn't result in a lot of passes. There weren't a lot of passes on RPOs. It was a lot of runs where the receivers were pretty well covered, but the Packers were prepared for that. And, you know, it's good to see the simplified reads for Trubisky, especially early on, to get him in a rhythm. But... Once the Packers caught up to it, which you started to see in the second quarter, really saw in the second half, I wanted to see Matt Nagy adjust and, you know, keep the offensive momentum going. And it just wasn't there. And I think the easy narrative is to say Matt Nagy took the foot off the pedal and and stopped being aggressive and was just conservative like John Fox. And I don't know how much of that is true. And I'm not intent, I mean, I'm not going as far to say that is not true, but I think what my point is, is that I think it's hard to tell just how much he's taking the foot off the, 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 taking the foot off the gas because we only get to see what Trubisky does. You know, we don't get to see the routes without the all 22. You know, he stopped getting gimmicky, which in a sense is good. We, We stopped seeing the Charles Leno stuff. We saw fewer of the, you know, just trying to do too creative of things. I mean, you, you want to be creative enough to put your quarterback in a winning situation, but sometimes going over the top can can sacrifice. Uh, you, you know, you're kind of relying on riskier boomer bust plays that can, you know, sometimes sticking to your fundamentals and giving your offense plays that will work is a lot better for building that confidence, building momentum, and, and getting your offense going again. And I'm glad that we didn't see a lot of those. And so my question is, 
was did Nagy really take the foot off the gas, or did the Packers just kind of get aggressive on their own and take away the aggressive parts of the Bears' plays? And and was Nagy still trying to run a lot of the same stuff, and was he still trying to get Trubisky to throw balls to certain areas and run certain concepts to free up certain players, but were the Packers just getting ahead of them on that? Because either way, Matt Nagy looks bad. It's either the he, he did take the foot off the gas and went conservative and it didn't work, or the Packers answered his play calling and, and pretty well figured out how to stop it, and he was then still further unable to adjust and find new things that would work. Either way, it's not a good look. I'm just not certain it was exactly the result of taking the foot off the pedal. I mean, we saw some somewhat questionable third down play calls, in my opinion. We saw some plays where, you know, running versus passing as far as a decision go on some third and shorts. At least putting Jordan Howard in the game to give more of a threat of an inside run would have been uh, a better decision on the outside. And then, you know, when we got into that fourth quarter, especially down the stretch when there was still time on the clock, you know, they got away from the running game a little bit. And I would have liked to see some more creativity in the running game from a formational standpoint. It seemed like the Bears were in fairly standard formations when they were running. And, you know, the defense was able to put seven or eight guys in the box and and Howard didn't always have a ton of space. He he still found some ways and had I think the strongest game of anybody on offense and phenomenal job by job by Jordan Howard, but when the offensive line wasn't run blocking phenomenally well from the interior, I, I just would like to see, you know, bring out four wide receivers and then hand it off to to Jordan Howard because the Packers were playing a lot of dime defense with six defensive backs and if they're spreading out then if you have, you know, four, five, maybe even, you know, six guys in the box, Jordan Howard can run on that especially at a shotgun and, and create some space. So just some little question marks there. You know, there was some expected sloppiness, I guess, with the timeouts and, you know, delay of games. Not, not a lot of penalties, I think, which was pretty good. But, you know, some of the things you would expect from a first-year head coach. I'm not trying to kill Nagy for everything, but I think the play calling and the, you know, whether or not it was taking the foot off the gas, but more importantly, the play calling and the lack of adjustments that we could tell was, I think, the, the spot where you can really, uh, I think, appropriately criticize this young head coach. But now we get to see how Matt Nagy handles adversity here. That, you know, we kind of talked through the offseason. Everything's great. There were every reason to love Matt Nagy through the summer and training camp and the preseason for the most part. And everyone loved him. All the players were thrilled about him and everything was going to be playoffs and, you know, this great head coach that they found. And now now we get to see, you know, we, we know... Matt Nagy is a good offensive coordinator. We know he's a smart offensive mind. We know he can run an offense very effectively. But now we get to find out if he's actually a good head coach. And there's obviously a difference there. You know, Josh McDaniels, for example, great offensive coordinator, great play caller, couldn't handle adversity very well as a head coach. It struggled. And I think you can you can kind of put Mark Tressman in a similar boat. And it's one week. I'm not I'm not painting Matt Nagy in either of those lights yet. But adversity is when you find out the answers to the hard questions about your head coach. How will the team respond to blowing a twenty to nothing lead to the Green Bay Packers? If Nagy's a good head coach and a good leader, they'll be fine. They'll come out next week strong and and you know the locker room will handle it and they've got good leadership and all that stuff. If if they continue to struggle and maybe blow more leads and, you know, things get bad, that's, you know, you can start to see maybe he's not a good head coach. And, you know, it's it's a work in progress. It's one game. He's a, he's a first-year head coach. I'm not I'm not ready to throw him under the bus or fire him or, or anything like that. It's just it's the first piece of information we get about Matt Nagy as 
a head coach, not just an offensive coordinator, not just a play call. It is a learning opportunity for him, and it was a learning opportunity for us here on Locked on Bears. I hope you learned something. I, I feel like I learned something from this game. I know it was tough to watch, and you know, for Bears fans out there, it's uh, really heartbreaking and, and a stunner, but you know, it was a good game. I mean, objectively speaking, you step back. If, if you hadn't been a fan of either of these teams, that was a darn good football game. One of the best games of the season, and it just so happened to be a Bears loss. But we'll have plenty more to talk about here going through this week. Uh, an all-22 breakdown we'll be getting into, and then we'll be pre- previewing the Seahawks game and all that. The season goes on one game at a time. All the all the coaching cliches. You'll hear it from Matt Nagy. You'll hear it from everybody this week. And I hope you'll keep it locked here on Locked on Bears all throughout of it. We are your source for daily Chicago Bears news and analysis all in your podcast feed. I hope you're subscribed. Hope you'll leave us a review. I hope you'll tell your friends about Locked on Bears because with this podcast, even when the Bears lose, we still find a reason to bear down.